<laughs> oh, so tonight, you know, I want to talk about a topic near and dear to all of our heart, and it's found in our declaration, the Declaration of Independence, and it's life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's what life is meant to be about. Yes, we know that man wrote the Declaration of Independence, but I believe, just like the Bible, it was divinely inspired by God. And a lot of people don't know this, but I love the last line of the Declaration of Independence. Fifty-six men, they signed it, and this is what they said in the last line. We mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. And just think about those words. They basically declared war on the greatest military the world had seen at that time, Great Britain. And they said that this is going to be one nation under God, and we will not be subject to tyrannical government. And I firmly believe that that same spirit that lived in these men, that God partnered with to defeat the greatest army, greatest navy in the world, is the same spirit that's here in Awakened Church. Do you believe that? All God needs is a remnant. If you look at how many people fought the greatest military, it looked impossible. But as we know, with God, all things are possible. So I want you to leave here with knowing that we're the remnant. We're the ones called to step into their shoes and to fight for freedom and make sure those inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness not only exist for us in this generation, but our kids and our kids' kids. That's what I fight for. So as you know, we're in a culture class series, and there is no doubt we are in probably the biggest culture class clash we have ever seen in America. God and the devil both have a culture. The devil's culture is to rob America of free elections. How many people saw 2,000 Mules? If you have not seen that, watch that movie. Video evidence, irrefutable, and it's just a small sampling of what the devil did in the 2020 election. And then we know that he wants to kill as many of God's kids as possible. Abortion alone, since 1973, legalized, is estimated to have killed 63 million of God's kids. And then he wants to steal the wealth of America. That's how we defend ourselves, and that's how we defend the rest of the world. When I, just a few short years ago, we were in single-digit uh, debt. Today, we're at $30 trillion in debt. This is what we need to wake up to. This is what we need to remember, what we're fighting for here. This is the devil's agenda. And he wants to destroy the biblical foundations of this country. Make no mistake, the history of America is full of God's providence to create this country. You look at the battles, you look at who we went up against, the territories we annexed, I mean, to form this union. And then we've had God's blessing because it's always been about in God we trust. And it needs to always be about in God we trust, not in government. So the devil's been trying to implement this culture in the world. And I just want to encourage you, hopefully inspire you today, that it's time for the church to go on the offense. I'm tired of playing defense. Is there anybody else in here tired of playing defense? What's big government going to do now? 
What new mandate are they gonna implement? What new lockdown? No, it is time for us to be on the offense. The devil should be running for his life. So tonight we're gonna touch on three quick areas. And I wanted you to draw the line in the sand. What's going to stir you? What's going to motivate you? You can't, can't count on somebody else will step in the gap. God is counting on us. God is counting on his remnant, the church. And so I want to inspire you today to get in the fight. Amen. So my first point, let's talk about life. Let's talk about life, the right to life. Most fundamental right there is. And it's been under attack throughout history. If we go back to when Jesus was born, big government wanted to kill his life and actually put out a decree, same spirit operating in a different generation, that we need to murder every male child under two in hopes that we get Jesus. Thank God God let him out of there. But can you think of all the families, all the mothers, all the fathers, all the siblings, when big government's army came in and they followed that decree? and killed every male child. So that's how I look at like abortion and the right to life. It's a fundamental right, the right to life. And the devil's been hard work here in America to just kill because God puts something in each and every one of us that is meant for that time, that season. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You were made for this time in this season. You were made to be an influencer, an impact player. You just got to discover your gift and your calling and step out with a little bit of boldness, a little bit of faith. As tiny as a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. So let that encourage you today. So to me, when does life begin? It's the simplest answer in the world. I mean, I don't even know why we debate this. Because if you believe God's word, there's one verse in here that clearly states, when life begins. It's Jeremiah 1.5. And it says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart. So when did you exist in God's eyes? Before you were formed in your mother's womb. Isn't that amazing? God put it right there, plain as day. And that's what I love. It's like everyone in here, you're not a mistake. You know, you're not an inconvenience. As these healthcare workers, so-called healthcare worker, abortionists, they look at God's gift to you, a man or a woman, as an inconvenience. Let's get rid of it. That's the spirit we're dealing with. That should bother all of us. You know, we're here, but how many? 63 million kids are not here today due to that spirit. But I'm hopeful. I am very hopeful. Because we're on the verge of having a major victory in the right to life at the federal level by overturning Roe versus Wade. And I believe over the next 50 years, those 63 million lives are going to impact America and create revival around this country. So each and every one of us can get in the fight for the right to life. And how do we do that? We pray. That verdict has not come out yet. The leakers wanted to try to create, you know, a, a, a judicial system of public opinion that would sway what God wants to ordain. And so that's just the first fight is when that is overturned. One of the greatest victories we will see in our lifetime, the right to life. 
And then we need to pray also that the current government we have here in California, because now it's up to the states what they enforce after that ruling comes out. And we need to pray that there's a change of heart in California, and we honor life, especially the life that God puts in that womb. So I want to talk to you a little bit about, you know, once you have life, your life should reflect God's plan and purpose. Is your life reflecting the world's culture or kingdom culture? Think about that. Do you blend in with your friends, your family, your coworkers, or is there something different about you? You know, one of the greatest compliments I ever got, and it just hit me out of the blue, a girlfriend of three weeks walking along in college, and she stopped me and said, I've never heard you cuss. Something was different about me than the world that she was used to. And I never thought anything about it, you know, but something was different. So do people notice something different about you? When you're in this house, there's going to be something different about you. And our goal is to engage in culture and to challenge culture if it's outside of God's will. Do you know who loved to do this and spent three years of his ministry doing it? Jesus Christ, our role model. He went into every situation. He loved to challenge the Pharisees, the rulers of the day, the money lenders, the sinners, the tax collectors. I mean, he went after it. And like God was with him, though. One of my favorite stories, he had spouted off something. They took him out to the cliff. He was surrounded. And then God let him walk through the crowd and go minister again. So like, don't you think God would maybe do that for you? Think about it. If you're for God, he's for you. Uh, So it doesn't mean we go around like quoting scripture, being some holy roller or judging people. We just be real and bold and courageous and authentic. Think of our pastors here. Are they real, bold, courageous? Do they speak the truth in love? Let's follow their lead because I like the fruit on that tree. So we need to bring that truth and love. Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. This is what we need to change. And it's all the things that have been put into our life over the years, the homes we were raised in, the sports we played, what was spoken over us. It wired something in here, maybe doubt, maybe disbelief, but God wants to rewire that. It says, renew your mind daily, and the greatest way to renew it is read this word right here. I need it each and every day. My wife and I were just chatting this week, and I had like a a limiting belief in a certain area. I've got high belief in many areas, but this one area, I look back to my childhood, what was spoken over me, what was modeled, and I realized that that synapse... Uh, was formed where my default is a limiting belief in that area. So I have to rewire. I have to retrain. I have to rethink. I have to start speaking God's word over that area. Just like I did when I beat cancer, undeniable, the devil was going down. There wasn't one shred of doubt in me. And so I want to encourage you, whatever you're facing today, retrain this mechanism right here. And that Holy Spirit's going to operate that and your words, and you're going to see victory in that area. So this is a house of transformation. And then I want to encourage you, when's the last time you discipled somebody? I I was convicted about this recently, 
and I started getting back in the game of intentional discipleship. You know, you can wait for people to call you or you can see something off in their life and say, can I speak into your life? Can we talk about this area? I don't want you to have a life of limits, but will you let me? Do we have enough relational equity where I can speak into your life? I don't know about you guys. I'm a lifelong learner, man. Anybody that wants to speak into me, I will listen. You know, I won't prejudge it. I will think about it. I'll pray about it. I'll get some second opinions. And if there's a consistent theme there, I know I need to work on that. So I just encourage you. That's what helps me. So I recently had a conversation with a friend. Uh, I don't see that often. And we were talking about belief and faith and uh, healing. And I mentioned that, you know, in my opinion, God wants to partner with your belief so you can receive the healing. And he stopped me in my tracks and said, don't talk about that nonsense. And I realized I'd opened up a wound. And as he said, he said more. He said, you know, I had a friend that had cancer. And no one had more faith and belief and prayed harder than her. And she died. So don't tell me about belief heals. And I realized in that moment how sensitive that subject was. And this was years ago that this happened. But that's how sneaky the devil is. He will use a situation and he'll pin the blame on God. How many people in this room or people that you know that you prayed and you believed and you fasted and you took communion and it didn't work out the way you wanted it to work out? You know, I don't know about you guys. I can just encourage you. I go back to the story of Job. Whenever my life seems rough, it wasn't as rough as that dude's. I mean, I'm always encouraged after reading Job. I don't know if I could have stood as long as Job. uh, When everybody is against him, his wife saying, curse you and die. I mean, dagger to the heart. Come on. His friends, so-called friends. But anyway, you know, I I don't know it exactly, but it says something like, should we accept blessing and not some trials and tribulations? And so what a perspective that is. So no matter what's happened in my life, I always go back to if I haven't seen the breakthrough yet, this is a trial and tribulation that we, God and I, are supposed to go through because he's trying to deposit something in me. And so he knows the exact time, the victory, the breakthrough will happen. But I, can I stay the course? Can I stay in faith? Can I believe? Can I keep prophesying despite what I see? So you may be facing a situation like that. Let me encourage you. Just stay with God. Trust him. In every situation I've ever faced, I haven't sweated drops of blood, but there was a season the last couple of years where the weight of the world, the devil brought his freaking A game. I was surrounded. And like, I'm a man of high faith, but I felt like I couldn't take it anymore, you know? And like, actually, like, I've never experienced it, all the military and stuff, but like, I guess feelings of like a depression or anxiety, and it was a weightiness on me. And I, I didn't recognize this spirit. So I talked to some, some pastors of the church, and I said, you got to help me with this one. I've defeated a lot of spirits, a lot of giants, but I don't recognize this one. And so they gave me hope. They gave me encouragement. They knew exactly what it was. We prayed it off. We defeated it. And I was revived again. So I want to encourage you tonight. If, that, if, if that's speaking to you, you know, you're not supposed to do life alone. There's a band of brothers and sisters that will help you get through that. Amen.
All right, so God's culture is life, and the Bible is clear the difference between God's culture and the devil's culture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but God comes that I may give you life and have it more abundantly. So let's touch on more abundant life. You know, we're all called to live an abundant life, but what does that look like? You know, what areas of your life is in abundance? What areas might be in lack? You know, I would encourage each and every one of you, if you want to see what abundance looks like, come to men's prayer on Tuesday morning and women's prayer every Thursday. You want a dose of encouragement. I tell you what, the favor of God, the marriages restored, just the financial blessings, the overflow, the peace. It's just incredible the abundance that God brings when you do life his way in his culture. And so start by getting yourself also in a connect group. I can tell you the very first moment Pastor Tessa and I walked into this church, we were standing outside waiting to come in to the gym where uh, Awaken started. And uh, yeah, old school here. Um, and this couple runs over, introduced themselves, and invited us to something called Connect Group. Didn't know what that was. Said, come to our, our apartment complex, the community room. We want to get to know you. It's this time. We'll have some food. We'll play some games. We'll get to know each other. So we came. That one invitation, very first week, they are our lifelong friends. They've even moved to Orange County, but every single summer we have a family vacation together. So what are you missing out if you're in this room and you're not in a connect group? I just told you lifelong friendship from our first connect group leaders. I want you to have the same thing. So if you're lonely, get in a connect group. You won't be lonely. <laughs> All right, you ready for liberty? Liberty is defined as the state of a free person who is uh, exempt from the force of another. And Luke 4.18 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recover sight of the blind and to set the oppressed free. So you know what our mission is? Free the prisoners. Set the oppressed free. Bring liberty. That's what our founding fathers fought for, so you and I would have liberty. And the Bible is full of stories of captivity and freedom. When you follow the devil's culture, it ends in captivity. When you follow God's, it ends in freedom. So I just want to encourage you, you know, look back at the last couple years. Did you recognize the liberties that we've always enjoyed that they were being attacked? First, the freedom of religion and the right to assemble. Bars were open, but our church was closed. And then when we finally recognized the scheme of the devil and opened back up, they said you couldn't worship. I mean, if anybody knows Lucifer, a.k.a. Satan, what was his job in heaven? Chief worshiper. Imagine that. You can open the doors of church, but don't worship God. Then the freedom of speech, to pray, to speak, to share opposing points of view. We need that in our culture. We need that in society. I'm not always right, so I need to hear your opinion on a subject. Let's see if we can agree on something so it's healthy for us. But they shut down the president of the United States' ability to communicate directly to the people that, uh, that elected him. That freedom of speech was attacked. The freedom to protect ourselves, the Second Amendment, is under constant attack. 
And I don't know where you stand on whether you were raised around firearms or pistols, you're scared to death of them, you just listen to the media that says a, a gun killed how many people. But I want to tell you, if you go back to the founding of this country, imagine if our founding fathers could not own a firearm. Would we have America today? No, we wouldn't. They put that in there because they came from Great Britain. They knew the tyranny when only one person had a weapon. That is what the devil's government leaders fear the most, is your ability to defend yourself. And look all back through the history, especially in the Bible. You know, if you have a weapon, then you have a chance. If you have no weapon, then you're, you're pretty much gone. Look around the world. Look at any other country where they've disarmed the population. It is not the gun that kills. It's the person behind the gun that pulls the trigger. Always remember that. Teach the people in your circles that. That ensures our freedom in America. That one right there. So then let me tell you, you know, some other things here. The right to provide for your family. That was under attack. The right to work. The right to shop. You know, and, you know, you try to go into your favorite store and they're like, where's your mask? Thermal scanning you. Asking for a vaccine passport. I mean, like, is this America? Or have I deployed overseas again to the Muslim countries? I mean, I was like, I did not recognize my America during COVID. So, you know, I personally, and I'm not judging anybody, I personally decided, like, hey, something not FDA approved, you know, vaccine. Why aren't we waiting this out like we've done with every other vaccine? And so liberty is not when you are forced against your will to do something you're not 100% sold out for. So just think about that. Forced to get a vaccine to keep your job. Is that liberty? Is that America? No, it's not. So if you don't know what your liberties are that were paid for by these men and women that gave their last full measure, it's easy to lose them. So start educating yourself. What's in the Bill of Rights? How was this country founded? What do we stand for? And to let you know, I just wore my favorite shirt today. <laughs> stand for something. We are called to stand for something. And when you stand for God, he will stand for you. We know that without a shadow of a doubt. So that's what I am going to encourage you guys tonight. you got to get out of the bleachers and get into the game. We've got this one precious life to live. If you died today and you were up in heaven and God showed you a film of your life, let me ask you one question. Would you have any regrets? I, can't, I can tell you, for a matter of fact, I've got tons of regrets. Tons of regrets when the Holy Spirit prompted me to do something. And for whatever reason, I opted not to. I'll give you a prime example. And, and like the Holy Spirit is so subtle. It's that still small voice. But it lets you know, like, I want you to make an impact today, Charles. Will you listen? Will you obey? Will you do this? So it was just last week. Um, I'm still a chivalrous dad. And I go get gas for my daughter in her car. Both her and her mother don't like to pump gas. I'm still trying to train her. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. <laughs> so I go up early morning, get some gas for her car so she can make it to school, take her sister. And uh, I look over, and I see a young man, disheveled, 
looks homeless, probably early 20s, and he's digging through the trash, and I watch him for a minute, and then he pulls out a water bottle. I mean, it's a good-sized water bottle, and it's like almost brand new. And he looks at it, pauses, almost like the greatest blessing I've ever received. And, you know, and then he goes to the next trash can. And the Holy Spirit said, engage in his world, make him feel like he's a person, and just talk to him and see if you can buy him some food. Well, what did I do? I looked at my watch. My wife had, or my daughter had to go to school, and I took off. So yes, do I have a regret? Yes, I missed that opportunity to bless somebody and maybe change his world. So I'm not judging anybody in here tonight, but I'm encouraging you. When was the last time the Holy Spirit told you to do something? And let's have a series of acting on those. So when we get to heaven, he said, you were obedient there and there and there and there and there and there and there. That's the life I want to live. So I love our church. I love our pastors, man. It's like they live a life of example. I, I love Pastor Becky's story. She's always talking to the homeless, teaching her kids, buying them food, grocery carts of stuff, clothing. So just be like Pastor Becky. <laughs> oh, So we're going to wrap that one up. But, uh, you know, I do want to give you a couple quotes out of my favorite Bible in the world, American Patriot Bible. My mom gave me that when I deployed to Afghanistan. I'm on version two because the pages fell out, but that's a good sign. The pages should fall out of your Bible if you're using it. That's a badge of honor. So I retired that one and I got a new one. <laughs> but related to liberty, these are some famous quotes that inspired me and I'm going to share them with you. God grants liberty only to those who love it and are always ready to guard and defend it. Daniel Webster. The nation will remain the land of the free only so long as it's the home of the brave. Elmer Davis. This one you're really going to enjoy. Guess who said this? A man who won't die for something is not fit to live. Martin Luther King Jr. And then my favorite, and just ask yourself, this was written by Samuel Adams. Is this the America we're living in today? the same kind of things that they discovered then that were fought for, but are we seeing this today? It says, the liberties of our country, the freedom of our civil constitution are worth defending at all hazards. And it is our duty to defend them against all attacks. We have received them as a fair inheritance from our worthy ancestors. They purchased them for us with toil and danger and expense of treasure and blood, and transmitted them to us with care and diligence. It will bring an everlasting mark of infamy on the present generation, enlightened as it is, if we should suffer them to be wrestled from us by violence without a struggle, or to be cheated out of them by the schemes of false and designing men. Samuel Adams. So to me, tonight is a call to arms. It's a call to arms that we need to fight for life. We need to know our liberties. And then we were designed for the third element, to pursue happiness. And what I love about that is maybe you're already living with happiness. You've got great friends, a great house, a great profession. You have plenty of money. You're enjoying life, taking vacations. 
But if you're not in here, you know, I want to encourage you to pursue happiness. And the best thing I love about that sentence, pursue happiness, is the first step is an action step. You have to pursue it. So let's talk on that real quick. You know, we see a culture out there that most people have a common goal in life is to find happiness. Everyone wants to be happy in their relationships, with their career. Um, but, you know, sometimes obstacles get in the way. So God's continual presence in our life is what I have found is when I'm pursuing happiness. I don't know about you guys, but like, you know, think of the things that you've truly desired. Maybe it was a designer purse or designer shoes that took a year to save up for. For me, an expensive luxury watch or my new truck or my epic home. You know, and I, I eagerly craved those things and I, I thought of the happiness they would bring. And I'm happy with them, but haven't you found that over time, they kind of lose their luster? Think about it. All the things you thought were just going to be so fulfilling, they're just like a thing you can't take with you. Moth and rust will destroy. But the one thing that I have found will bring you eternal happiness is God's presence in your life. And I don't know if you're like me, but like, I know it. I want it, but distractions come into my life. Each and every day, the devil knows how to distract me, to keep me. First thing in the morning, well, my Bible verse for the year is seek God first and all things will be added. Do I go to the word first or do I go to the email? Do I go to the word or do I read the text? Do I go to the word or do I check the news feed? I'm just being honest with you. I've been convicted lately. So I'm no perfect person up here. I'm a work in progress. But I will tell you that the greatest way to pursue happiness is to seek God first. He created that empty hole in your heart. And it can only be filled by him. And so God created you for uniqueness. And like, you know, I'm going to just finish with this because I'm already out of time. But let's just say this is us. We're a water bottle. And we were created by God. When we have God sealing his presence on our life, his covering, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, man, we are, we are just living large. You know, he created this vessel to hold gifts and talents and abilities. And like, no matter, as long as you're covered, he's got all the special ingredients in there to make you make an impact in this life. And when you're covered... You can take a great fall, and you're still intact. But then God showed me, but well, what if you remove God's covering over your life? You don't read the word. You don't come to church. You're not in a connect group. You don't pray. And the devil starts extracting what God put in there. A few cheers here would be great to finish this. the bucket I'm kidding <laughs> but this is what life can do to you this is what the devil can do to you he can empty the greatness the calling the identity the purpose the passion the gifts the talents the abilities 
what you listen to, what you watch, what you read, what websites you go to. These are all things that extract from you. And when things have been extracted and you feel empty and you're no longer serving your purpose, carrying God's greatness, it's easy to crush you. And when you feel crushed, then you feel like you've been thrown away and no longer serve any purpose. But let me tell you about our God. Our God will take you in your weakest moment. He'll take you with all the scars, the wrinkles, the battles from life. And he said, if you'll just let me hold you in my hand, I can breathe life into you again. And not only that, I can pour back in and call out the greatness. But if you just do one more thing, if you let me cover you, if you accept my son, Jesus Christ, if you listen to the Holy Spirit, you will be strong. You may not look the way you did, but you can still fulfill your mission. Amen? Amen. Let's stand so I can pray you guys up. Ah, God is so good. So just join me in prayer. Close your eyes. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you. Thank you, thank you for these mighty men and women. God, thank you that tonight's message is all about encouraging them to live a life following in your footsteps, to fight for freedom, to know the liberties that you have ordained us with, and to pursue happiness that only you can truly show us. God, bless each and every man in this room tonight. God, let them take from this message what area that they need to stand up in. They need to be bold. They need to be courageous like our pastors. They need to speak the truth in love. They need to engage in their family, their kids, their co-workers, their business. Life is too short not to make each and every day count. So God, I declare blessing and favor and courage and boldness. And God, may they remember that you are always with us. You never leave us. You never forsake us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. You guys are amazing. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.